0: After three weeks of spending most of my time with my new grandchildren, it seems fitting that I come back and get to preach a sermon that has something to do with children. We had a great time catching up with not only the family in Geelong, but also the family in Bairnsdale as well. To say that they kept us entertained would be an understatement. I am sure we all have plenty of stories, normally funny, about children. Either our own or, what's even funnier, somebody else's children. Because they always seem to be the source of both amusement and wonder at the same time, don't they? But they do say some of the funniest things. And often it is right on the money, isn't it? They often say the things that the rest of us want to say but haven't got the courage to say or they do the things that we want to do but haven't got the courage to do. Here is a couple of funny things that I found which should emphasise the point when it comes to the topic of prayer. Three-year-old Reese was heard, our father who does art in heaven, Harold is your name, One year old, one four year old prayed. And forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. And here's my favorite. You'll probably understand why I like this one. This little boy prayed. Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a really good time like I am. No, you've got to love them. I'm sure, I'm not sure, I didn't get that from my grandson, but it certainly sounds like the sort of thing my grandson would pray. Well, I'm sure so sure we have heard this our Bible reading before. It is a favourite. Many have used it to justify children's ministry in the church. I know I have in the past, especially when I was children's and families minister. But the reading isn't really about that. It is a very sharp contrast between very, two very distinctive characters in the children and the rich ruler. They are almost black and white, aren't they? Let's look at the children first. You see, the children, they have nothing to offer. They don't even have the will or ability to approach God. These are the ones who are our example as to how to enter the kingdom of God. You will note in our reading that the children are being brought to Jesus. They are powerless. Children in Jesus' time had very little status or, and for that matter, no worth. It is well documented that in the early church it was the early Christians that would go out and collect children that were unwanted. Unwanted children would often be left outside the city gates, outside the protection of the city walls for the wild animals or whatever to take them. I think we are all well aware from many of my other sermons about the status of women, the poor status of women that they had in the ancient Middle Eastern world. But we often forget and don't think about the children. Part of the problem is that we all seem to have this image of this beautifully well-groomed Jesus with this sort of blonde curly hair, blue eyes, sitting there in the sunshine with these cute, chubby little children climbing all over him in you know, little baby doll skirts and boys in shorts. That wasn't the case. Children had no status, very little value and certainly no power. There is a sense here about the helplessness of the children and their complete trust on those who love and care for them. But like I said, this is a story of contrast. So on the other hand, we have the ruler. Both in Matthew and Mark, he's described as the rich young ruler. The man has virtually everything. There's a couple of interesting things to note about this character too. Firstly, he was rich and young, which would make you think that he hadn't worked for his wealth as there were no get-rich schemes in the ancient Middle Eastern world. There was no Facebook, no internet, and certainly no cryptocurrency to make you rich. So we can surmise that he must have inherited his wealth. Secondly, he was a ruler. Whilst it doesn't say what sort of ruler, he must have had quite a deal of status and power in the area. To be recognised, the rich young ruler had three things. Three things that our culture today values. It values youth, for it is one's youth that has. It is sorry, it is one. It is in one's youth that we have the the vita, that we have vitality. We have health and strength. It values wealth. For wealth affords us the ability to buy all the things we think are beneficial to us. It values power. For if we have power, we can control our environment and we can keep others from controlling us. And yet, these three benefits are really hindrances to eternal life. You think about it. In our youth, we foolishly supposed that, we, that time was in our favour. We would think little about death because it seemed so distant, so remote. We think little about eternity because the present was so inviting, so promising. Our world seems to offer us all that we could want. And so we hunger little for God. We relegate God to a distant second place at best. We plan to call on Him one day, some other time, probably some less comfortable time. And our power and position deceive us into supposing that we have everything under control. It is why Jesus acknowledges the, little, the, the children. You see, it is only in our weakness that we are strong in his might that we look to him to do that which is not humanly possible. I chose the image on the screen this morning because I, I love it. I, I think it's one of those hysterically funny um, images. Um and a camel with this huge needle around it. But I want us to focus on the the quote that Jesus uses. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. There is a lot of discussion around this bit of text. Some have said that perhaps it means this gate that was very low and that if a camel would need, would need to get on all fours, on its knees, have to unload, its, take all its possession off and it would better get through the gate. So Jesus was perhaps saying that maybe with humility and bowing down, the rich might get into heaven. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I can't buy into this interpretation Because it's the sort of stuff you hear from tele-evangelists and preachers that are often connected with prosperity doctrine. The problem I see with this teaching is I really doubt it's correct. My reasoning is because of the statement that Jesus follows up with. And that is what is impossible with man is possible with God. You see... If a camel could get through the gate with a bit of good training and a, you know, a lot of help, well then one would better draw the parallel that it was possible for man the, to do the same and wouldn't need God's involvement at all. No, I'm sure, in fact, I'm certain that Jesus meant a literal needle and a real camel. Otherwise... What's the impossibility? When it comes to eternity, it is those who think they have the most going for them that have the greatest barriers to trusting in Jesus for forgiveness and the righteousness that leads to eternal life. This is not to say, and I'm not saying, those that are poor or are weak or... And, have, and who have no um, possessions are a to the kingdom of God. No, on the contrary, no one comes to the Father, no one, except through Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, in one of his great novels, Mere Christianity, if you haven't read it, it's a good read. I like my stuff by C.S. Lewis. Um, so have, if you have never read Mere Christianity... It's worth having a read. I think there's a couple of of copies in the library. Um, Here's a quote from that book. One of the dangers of having a lot of money is that we may be quite satisfied with the kind of happiness money can bring and so fail to realise that you need God. We all have to recognise that our greatest assets in human terms are often our greatest liabilities if these cause us to think that we don't need God's grace. Have you realised that the things you love most are really idols? They're like false gods. They turn your heart and attention from worshipping and serving the only true God. To me, this passage is a reminder for to us all that we should cease loving the blessings of God and come to love the supreme gift and the giver of all good things. Can rich people get into heaven? Yes. Yes, they can. But only through coming to Jesus, like the children did, in humility. In the knowledge that they have nothing, nothing that is valued in eternity. As Jesus said to the disciples when they were trying to stop the children, let them come to me. It is because they come with nothing, no power, no status, no wealth, only the desire to come to Jesus. This is one of those passages that leave leave us thinking. And it should leave you thinking. It should leave you thinking and wondering, which of these two are really the richer? And it should challenge us about what it is we value most in this life. In Jesus' name. Amen.